Greetings program. Hello and welcome to Tronologically Speaking, a movie by minute podcast talking about Disney's 1982 movie Tron. This is Minute 33. I'm your host Duncan Shields and with me today is my observant, mighty and capable guest co-host Duncan Shields. Me. So solo week continues as you listen to my dulcet tones and no one else's. And we're going to get into the minute proper here, and we're going to see what happens in this minute. Not much. Flynn is ushered off to the cells by the guards, and Sark has a very distressing talk with the MCP aboard his cruiser. Um, This is a pretty fun minute. I like the way... Well, we'll get into it here. We'll get into the water. Uh, Guard says... I said, move, and touches Flynn with his staff, causing orange electricity to shock Flynn in one of my favorite animation effects in the film. There's several silhouettes of Flynn stutter in ghostly orange traces as he flinches away from the pain. I imagine this is a John Van Fleet special. He maybe did this whole sequence here because there's a lot of hand-drawn animation in this movie that's supposed to look electronic and this really strikes me as one of those moments uh flynn says hey look if this is about those parking tickets i can explain everything so at least he's still got his sense of humor that funny flynn oh that jeff bridges if this is about those parking tickets yeah, that's pretty funny i mean he's got to be quippy he's the quippy guy He's kind of, yeah, he's a funny one. He's got to have all those lines. Tron is a bit too stoic or a bit too straight for this kind of funny talk that Flynn is always laying down. And then uh, the tip of the guard's spear glows with a lens flare that's mostly prismed rainbows which i think is just a wonderful touch i think it's so alien to have a method of torture and compliance and discipline and enforcement like this give off rainbows (laughs) it's a very unexpected thing to see and it's very i think reminiscent of the 60s and the 70s um i remember when i was a kid there was this there was these glasses you could get and they had uh, uh, the lenses had a film on them that would turn any point of light into a source of radial rainbows. Like you'd get these nine or ten spikes of radial rainbows coming out from any light source. I don't know how they did it. Something about the polarity but um, that that looks exactly like what the effect is being applied here to the tips of these spears that the guards are using to cattle prod Flynn forward towards the holding pits. Uh, And then as he's ushered off, we cut to a shot of Sark's cruiser rendered by Triple I again. And uh, Sark's cruiser is slowly behemothing its way through the sky with that awesome bass rumble of a huge bomber plane or something like that and uh, we get a shot of the inside of the bridge and we see the huge map of the maze of the entire city 
or whatever it is. I'm, I'm not entirely sure if the open plane is the grid or if the maze itself is the grid or if the grid is just the whole world. If the grid is just the entire mainframe. I'm not entirely sure what part of it is what. And then uh, all of the blue maze is surrounding the main orange circle of what I'm guessing is the MCP. It might just be the central IO tower for that quadrant that he happens to be flying over, but it's probably the MCP himself. There's three soldiers standing at attention, and one of them is sitting in a little sky chair. <laughs> up above he's dangling from the ceiling like he gets uh shipped around on a little ceiling rail which has him dangling down as he uh, goes over to oversee everything i guess uh something that i didn't notice the first time i saw the film but i definitely see now i wonder what he's doing up there it's one of those little sort of oh hi what's your job you know when you're going through it minute by minute you're like what do you uh what do you do exactly uh, let's see here. Yeah, Sark strolls over into his uh, charging slash communication station. And these flat turquoise bars come to light around him in a cage, in a big cylindrical cage around him. Just dit, 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 dit. they stack around him, enclosing him in like a cone of silence phone booth kind of situation so he can have a private conversation with the MCP. Ladies and gentlemen, you ask for miracles. I give you the MCP. A voice uh, over the intercom or the tannoy, as they say in the UK, they say, a voice says, prepare all programs for war games. And once the cylinder is complete, enclosing Sark, the MCP's face takes up the entire front half of the cylinder in front of Stark. So this is some real uh, Metatron, huge, this is the presence of God. He's literally talking to the MCP here with a face that takes up his entire field of vision. <laughs> very monolithic, very big deal. This isn't just a small screen on his, uh, a small monitor on his, on his interface here. This is a pretty imposing and pretty majestic way to speak to your Lord and Savior, the MCP. Now, I wonder, does he see... No, he doesn't. He doesn't see the MCP as his creator. But he definitely sees him as his captain. Now, the database for the MCP was created also by Triple-I. Triple-I did the cruiser and the MCP, and if I'm not mistaken, the Solar Sailor as well. And the MCP was a human figure that they'd already created at I called Adam Powers. Now, if you look on the demo reel, the sampler reel, if you will, from the early 80s for Information International Incorporated or I. If you look at it, there's one sequence where you'll see a juggler and he's juggling 
a pyramid, a cube, and a sphere. The three basic shapes that were everywhere in uh, early computer animation before they invented the teapot, the famous teapot that everybody used to apply textures to and show squashing and stretching and different aspects that could be used for each of the 3D animation programs out there at the time. Uh, and the face of that juggler that you see juggling those uh, those shapes in that sampler reel, the face of the juggler is the face of the MCP. They just took that face and were like, okay, bring it down to wireframe and that'll be the face of the MCP for this sequence, definitely. I probably for the sequence also later on in the film where he's just that spinning rainbow column of light. But um, they created the animation here by adjusting the the vertexes and the vertices of the polygons to ending up like when you're doing an animation of facial animation of lips moving there are things called phonemes which is like the f in friends or the the b in ball and all these different vowel and consonant sounds that you use to throw in later so that you can match what's being said so you can sync up the lips to what's being said by the voice actor and in this case the voice actor again was david warner so david warner's having a big old conversation with himself here <laughs> he's alone in the room with the mcp just like dillinger was in the beginning of the film i think filming this role was uh a fairly solitary experience for David Warner. He interacts with the cast, but he's got a lot of scenes where he's just hanging out with the MCP by himself. He's just talking to himself in the mirror, which again, I think is a bit meta. Uh, let's see here. I'll post a link to the video of the, of the juggler. So anyway, what he did was when you get that bank of phonemes that you can use to create the different sounds then they just used all those frames because they did the transition frames too, like the mouth opening and the mouth closing and the mouth widening and the mouth narrowing. And then using that data bank, they just frame by frame mapped out the MCP saying all the lines. And uh, that took quite a ways, quite a long time for them to do. But I think the, the proof is right there. I think it looks... I don't want to say primitive, like it looks simpler than what we would probably create today, but I think that the animation is very smooth, and I think that the end result, conceptually, is very close to what they were going for, and I think it really holds up as like the MCP. It doesn't look like it was created by a limitation. It looks like it was what they were going for, so big success there, I think. And there's some shots where it cuts back and forth between it. So there's some over-the-shoulder shots of the MCP. And then there's some sort of looking down shots on Sark as he responds. But then there's a few shots of the MCP where it's just his face taking up the entire screen. And seeing that in a theater in 65mm was just like, wow, this is the MCP talking to us. 
let's see there. I'll, I'll post a link to that video. Yeah, like of, of the sampler reel. Now, Triple I also did the effects for the movie Looker with uh, with William Shatner, which is a pretty wild film. There's a, a gun that gets invented that uh, makes you pause for an hour or whatever. So if you get shot with it, you'll just be suddenly notice that the sun is an hour lower in the sky. And you're like, whoa, what? Or if you're filling up the sink to do the dishes, you'll blink and suddenly the sink will be overflowing and you're like, whoa, I've been standing here for like an hour. So it would take away time from you and the bad guys would use that to pause you. But there's also, it takes place in the future and there's a, they're digitizing actors in this, uh, in this future, in the movie Looker. And there's a sequence where they digitize uh, Susan Day, the actor, Susan Day. They digitize her whole body in this sequence to create a wireframe of her. And that's one thing that they use. Like the cool thing about the juggler in their sample reel is that he had an articulated skin that moved over his bones. It wasn't just primitives hooked together. And I remember seeing this demo when I was a little kid in my small hometown. They uh, they brought some demos around of the recent computer animation that was out there to show all of us impressionable young teens so we would all have our minds blown and uh, our minds were fully blown by what we saw and this was one of them and so those early cg demo reels geez they really were something else to be around for the vanguard and the start of an industry it must have been like when um you know they first showed motion pictures and people freaked out people ran out of the theater that's the that's the apocryphal story is that first the first close-up of a face where it took up the entire screen made people scream and run out of the theater because like they'd never seen anything like that before and they're like what the heck is happening they just couldn't handle it or they'd see like a the train coming into the state footage of a train coming into a station and they would like be really freaked out because it's like they were standing right beside a train and if you know anything about trains you're like get out of the way so they would like be kind of panicked but it didn't have quite that effect but watching these early cg you're like wow this is something i remember one of the one of the guys that was talking about this he he talks about how they showed him what they could do like they could make a plane and apply a texture to it and they were doing this for uh, animatics. They were doing this for proof of concept to get the the just the this is what the this is what the animation could look like, you know, if you fill in the blanks. And he was like, "Wait, so you can apply a texture to a plane?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." But look at this silver chrome ball that we created. And he was like, "That's that's pretty cool." But what's this thing you were saying about applying a texture to a plane? Because suddenly he was saying, well, wait a second, I could create four or five planes and apply some forest textures to them and then I would just be able to suggest a forest. So I could just do that. And they were always like, yeah, 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 but look at this shiny silver chrome ball we created. So they were really, really leaning on the, the silver chrome textures that they'd created. But he was really starting to see the applications that, could it could be put to use to in the future already and uh 
that's when he knew he was at the forefront of something really amazing that was going to revolutionize the movies to come for the next 40 years and he was right but tron was the first now let's see here the mcp says that he has a challenge for stark i keep wanting to call him stark like uh, richard stark from the stephen king book but the mcp says that he has a challenge for sark he says it's a new recruit he's a tough case but i want him treated in the usual manner train him for the games let him hope for a while then blow him away sark says you got it i've been hoping you'd send me someone with a little bit of guts what kind of program is he and that's when we get the shot of the MCP's face filling the entire screen as he says, he's not any kind of program, Sark. He's a user. And that's when Sark, like not able to contain his surprise, practically shouts, A user? And the MCP brags, That's right. He pushed me in the real world. Somebody pushes me. I push back. So I brought him down here. What's the matter, Sock? You look nervous. And David Warner, man, he just does such a good job here of being scared and having his bravado shaken. He's like a little boy all of a sudden. He's just like, uh, this is way more than I signed up for. The users are gods. Literal gods. These are the creators of all of us. Um, you want me to fight one? <laughs> what? It's like, I don't know if it's like Hercules being asked to fight Apollo, but it's something sort of along those lines where an earthly lieutenant, a mortal lieutenant is being asked to fight a god and he has a lot of power from the mcp that's why he's standing here in this little cage at his little podium is because this is where he's getting his it's a charging station and he has more power than pretty much anyone else in the mainframe as a direct lieutenant of a, a, a direct a direct priest a direct acolyte of the mcp a direct war general of the mcp but still fighting a user is a pretty big deal because a user is not only super powerful but just conceptually, they're very scary because they create. And what kind of power does a user have? I don't think that's something that's been defined for Sark. I don't think that's something that he knows. So he's like basically being recruited to fight Superman. And I think he's thinking this might be a little bit of a suicide mission. So it's a lot to take in for the MCP to just drop this bomb on him. And then right away, the MCP's like, you can handle that, right? You're not scared, are you? So Sark has to be like, oh, uh, nope. Great to be asked to be a part of this plan. Can't wait to do it. It's like, uh, what was that? That bit in Brain Candy when they're like, so the investors have said that I have to fire half the workforce. And the whole the whole board is like, what? Oh my gosh, what? And then he says, uh, of course I told them to go F themselves. And they all go, yay, oh, that's great. And then he says, but then out loud I said I'd consider it. So where are we on that, Don? 
and asks his second in command and his second in command says i'm sorry where are we on the thing that you just asked me about that i didn't know existed until a couple seconds ago and uh the boss is like yes where are we on that and he says oh we're right on top of that (laughs) like right away just oh yeah we're on it so i think that's what sark's job here is to say fantastic sounds great fight a user super down but uh he's a bit freaked out which is really really cool to see i like to see a bad guy get a little freaked out before accepting a mission if they're just blindly and uniformly i don't know slathering at the bit to kill some good guys they become a little cartoonish and a little flat so i like the depth and the talent that david warner between david warner and jeff bridges really the two of them they just really make this movie super watchable bruce boxleitner and cindy morgan are fantastic as well as well as dan shore they round out the cast in a fantastic way but well they all everybody does a great job there's nobody that does a bad job in this movie and i think that really helps now uh that takes us just a little bit to the end of this minute here i like to go over the differences between the screenplay and the novel and the novel um it talks about how fleets of recognizers are coming and going from the docking bay and sark's cruiser and sark is referred to as the merciless red champion he stands in energy conducting anklets attached to the ship which is how the mcp gives him power now the master control program appears more more like water rippling like uh like a rippling effect through like multi-chrome facets you know like a very i don't know prismatic rainbowy spectrumy ripply thing instead of just coming up in that cylindrical grid of panels and uh he says sark es 1117821 open communication to start the conversation which i think is unnecessarily robotic for this film so they could have taken or left that um one thing is that sark when he says instead of i've been hoping you'd send me someone with a little more guts uh he says i've been hoping you'd send me someone with a little moxie (laughs) which is moxie see yeah i was hoping you'd send me someone with a little moxie yeah see so it's very 1930s gangster so i'm glad they changed that that was a good call on their part and then in the screenplay he says moxie as well so it must have changed on the floor or in a last minute rewrite there's a few things where they're quipping to each other in they're, they're, they're speaking in like sort of a what i could only call like a yeah like a 1930s gangster slang kind of way which i'm really glad they cut out because i don't think that would have that would have been a different movie i think that would have been a very different film a bit more cartoony which is i think they were going for more archetype stuff when this film was supposed to be conceptually just a basic animated film without any live action at all so you got to change it up a little bit when you get add some real world elements well that takes us up about to the end of minute 33 here um if you want to get in touch with us and talk about this more uh check out more at tronologically speaking 
drop us a line on Twitter at Tronologically Speaking or send us an email at tronologicallyspeaking at gmail.com or join us on Facebook at the Tronologically Speaking Movie Minute by Minute listeners page. Shout out to pond5.com for the awesome intro and outro music. Special thanks to the Star Wars Minute that started it all. Go on over to moviesbyminutes.com and see if your favorite movie is there. If it isn't, consider doing one yourself. It's a very inclusive and encouraging community in my experience. Um, yeah, I think that's all. So with that, I'll see you next time. And end of life.